to the very first episode of Core Ideas, a podcast about paleontology, the science of reconstructing the pale environments of inland waters. We are your co-hosts. I'm Adam Jesiorski. And I'm Josh Thane-Pont. And we are both uh, have a background in paleontology. I'm currently a uh, scientist working in the Pearl Lab at Queen's University. And Josh? Uh, I am a sessional or limited term assistant professor in the Department of Geography at York University. And uh, mostly I do teaching, but my research also looks at paleo work in primarily in the north. So the goal of this podcast is simply to have a series of conversations <clears throat> about paleontology. Um, we both have some academic expertise in the, sub, uh, in the subject and hope that through a series of casual discussions about topics that are largely of interest to the two of us, uh, we'll also have some appeal to a broader audience out there um, that have an interest in limnology and just environmental sciences in general. Yeah, and I guess the idea just over time will talk about things that come up that are interesting, things that we're interested in, in terms of the science and our experience with it and field work and all these different things. So there's lots of topics that we uh, intend to move through uh, over the course of the first few episodes and then lots of potential to see where it goes into the future. So I guess um, before we get into, the, you know, topics of historical significance, you know, general methods, how paleo is able to address issues of general public concern, like the big guns of acid rain and climate change, need to kind of begin with the basic definition. So Josh, what is paleoanology? That's a, it's a hard one, right? I mean, this is how many times have you been asked what it is you do for research? And people, a lot of people would say they're paleolimnologists maybe, and they get that question, but I think there'd be a fair few people who would say that they're biologists or ecologists or freshwater ecologists or geographers or physical geographers. Like there's so many different components of what it is that makes you a paleolimnologist. It really is a synthetic science. So I guess at the most core um, part of the definition, it's using lake sediments to reconstruct past environments in aquatic ecosystems, particularly inland freshwater ecosystems. But what would you say? What would be your answer to that question? I think I would go at, come at it from a more methodological kind of um, kind of line. Because, yeah, principally, I'm getting those questions from family members and friends, uh, as of opposed course, to, yeah, like, always. someone with a more vested interest in paleo. So it kind of began with the whole idea of lakes filling in over time. So those in the lake sediments uh, um, provide an archive of stuff around the lake through time. And Someone we know might say that they build up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pages of a book. All the time building up. And exactly. That's the next step. And um, uh, then depending on what you're interested in, which even in my own career so far has varied quite a bit, um, you're able to isolate um, remains or indicators within sediments to answer questions about how things have changed through time. And uh, and the diversity of those indicators is, is such a huge part of that, that story and that both of us have a kind of classical interest in biological indicators, but there's so much in the mud. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, and I usually just following on how I'd answer the question, I'd always bring up, you know, I've got a very can Canadian bias, live in Canada, I've worked 100% of my professional career has been in Canada. Um, so you're looking at to a, you know, 10,000 year record potentially, uh, depending on any lake, but usually the kind of stuff I'm interested in is more anthropogenic. So I'm looking at stuff that's really changed over the last 
150, 200 years since industrialization got underway. And so really uh, I cut my teeth in in my grad work looking at the legacy of acid rain and use that as a starting point. And what can you look in the sediments uh, to answer questions about acid rain? And in my case, that's been um, invertebrate remains. For sure. And I, I started out, and I guess in a similar kind of context in terms of the temporal perspective and looking at recent changes and uh, more temperate locations. And I've kind of added on a little bit more interest in longer term records, not necessarily full Holocene records, but getting past where a gravity core, which we'll obviously get to talking about those differences at some point, but what a gravity core can tell you. And, and then when I left Queens and went on to doing more chemical remains and got really interested in some of the chemical indicators that can be found in the sediments. So there's just there's just such an amazing amount of stuff that you can work on and still be a paleolimnologist. So that makes it an interesting definition and a really one of those sciences that you know, there's a reason you can do a whole podcast on paleolimnology is because there's so much there. There's so many different things you can answer in terms of environmental questions and so much material just to talk about. Absolutely. And so that's why this podcast is going to exist because I like talking. It's I like paleo. And, eh? and uh, here we are. Um, so yes, but really, uh, key things to keep in mind going forward, it's going to be a pretty casual discussion of technical topics. Um, we're, you know, interested in talking to a general audience out there rather than just it being the paleo nerds talking to other paleo nerds and getting at, you know, why we find this field interesting and, you know, what are the cool and really interesting kinds of questions it can answer. And there's been a whole bunch of this that has been done historically meant kind of like touched on very earlier how important paleo was during like the acid rain debates of the 1980s and, you know, how it has played a role in um, discussions related to climate change today um, and lots of other things um, related to human impacts, whether it's, you know, recovery from mining impacts or um, paleo flood events. Like there'll be, and there's a long, long list of uh, stuff we can go down and uh, hope to, um, breaking down into bite-sized, interesting, single-topic discussions going forward. Um, I'm sold. <laughs> Excellent. You'll get your money's worth. And yeah, and again, we both uh, did our graduate school um, in Canada, and so we'll have a very strong Canadian bias in terms of where our interests are and what we are most familiar with, but it won't be only Canadian stuff. Um, but it's just going to be heavily... Oh, I, I can't talk about it just now, but I may be planning a trip to Norway this year for some field-related work. So that would be my first time of doing any sampling outside. It's a little hush-hush right now, but... Uh, We'll talk about it when it's a little more official and closer to the actual date. So it'd be my first time sampling any lake outside of Canada. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm, my experiences outside of Ontario have been incredibly limited. Um, covered a large swath of Ontario. But, uh, like almost every lake in southern Ontario, pretty much, in, in a more recent survey. Yeah. Well, I, I was only a small... A small uh, component of a massive massive uh, research effort but uh, yeah no I've been been around within Ontario's borders and then a little bit out on the uh, east coast but that's about it for me no no international ventures on my, on my end yet yeah well none to speak of yet but uh, but that's an exciting possibility in the future but yeah most of my uh, experience started out in Nova Scotia um, as an undergrad and then did a little bit in Ontario but for other people's work including work with Adam is probably when we 
first got to know each other. And then uh, all of my personal research from grad work and uh, since has been in the Northwest Territories and a, and a little bit in Alberta. All righty then. So, so just, you know, this is very much an introduction uh, episode and a teaser for um, where we hope to go over the next little while. Um, so we're going to be talking about some of the key developments and groundbreaking studies uh, that have been performed in paleontology, and also a little bit on the personal side of who are the scientists responsible um, and what led them to where they are, kind of a science and society kind of angle. It's like how did paleo emerge and key things with um, environmental reconstructions. It's like the timing of like personal computers becoming available and like that kind of stuff um, has always been of interest to me. And Yeah, I'm interested in exploring where like where these people's background were because i'm always as a person who did his grad work and undergrad and all the all my formal degrees in biology and now has spent most of my time in geography one of the things i found most interesting is just how diverse the um, sample of people who come into paleolimnology is so i'd be interested in thinking about whether that's always been the case or whether there's a strong geology focus and that kind of thing yeah and i think that would vary depending on what angle you're looking at because a large element would be it's a relatively young science and you get much um, earlier than our own supervisors and before you wouldn't really have people necessarily describing themselves as paleontologists for sure yeah that's something that uh, we could definitely consider when paleolimnology was born so to speak in that historical discussion and it, it probably would have well i mean there are definitely a sort of a maybe formal answer related to the international paleolimnology symposia which are uh, i don't know I'm not even sure what number we're at now um, but there's lots of uh, lots of work that would be now called paleolimnology that existed even before that and then also i'm quite interested in talking about uh the ability of paleontology to inform current and future environmental issues of course the big elf in the room in terms of all kind of environmental discussions is climate change but um this is very much a instead of rather than an esoteric study um of small invertebrates in the mud like these findings can no, have real world implications for this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All kinds of real world applications um, and whether or not they're used is a separate story, but definitely able to inform the debates going forward. Uh, yeah, that I think that's one of the things about paleo that it is a nice thing is that you can answer those interesting questions about broader topics of global significance using paleo techniques at the same time as answering esoteric questions about the biology of zooplankton and it's all in the the interpretation and how you how you send that information out to the the people who are interested in it absolutely because that's what drew me in is in the first place is the the big picture elements of it um as well as the nitty-gritty of the absolute question you're trying to answer but just very easy even at a fairly early stage in terms of uh, your own research of seeing how your little piece of the puzzle can fit into the big picture in many ways. And I always thought that was a really cool aspect of paleo and why why I'm still in it today. For sure. I think it draws students in quite quickly. Um, this is certainly the perspective I've had from the students I've worked with is that you can 
Very quickly. It's not something that has, I mean, there's obviously a learning curve and we can talk about all of the things that go into that sort of from a method perspective. But in terms of asking questions that are on the exact same level as someone who's been doing the research for 10, 20, 30 years, you're right there from the beginning. You know, this, the undergrad I have is working on a core that was no different than my PhD in terms of the kind of questions being asked. So, you know, he's super keen on that related to really important questions at a very early, relatively speaking, uh, perspective. And again, um, in addition to the technical interests, um, I'm also quite interested in the tools and how what Palin has been using has changed through time. And the big one where it's massively changed through time, even in just like the 15 or so years I've, I've been uh, on the scene, has been on the availability of computer software and computing power and the statistical end of things and how that has impacted um, uh, just the science in general, but also talk a bit about the development of sediment cores, the importance of microscopy and um, developments there going, for, going forward in terms of uh, paleo. Um, and that really lends itself into our own personal insights in the world of paleontology because we're looking at a big science from our own very small corners. Yeah, I think we'll learn something. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the game. Uh, you definitely get focused on your own little little section of it, and uh, there's a big body of literature and research and information and topics out there uh, that we can dive into, and we'll, we'll gain a little bit of knowledge along with uh, whoever is uh, listening in. Our moms. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, also, as long as we keep them short, I don't think <laughs> I don't think my mom will listen for forty-five or fifty minutes. <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this one. And um, and yeah, and I think as we go forward, I think it would also be cool to make use of the podcast medium to go beyond like a lectury kind of or kind of content that be covered within lectures and actually, you know, do some interviews with some of the people that we have access to within the field, especially. Um, like my own supervisor, John Small, who I think would have a lot of cool insights that could be put into audio form. After he made fun of us, after he made fun of us for being nerds for doing this, uh, absolutely, he would have lots of interesting things to say. Uh, yeah, small price to pay. I know I'm a nerd. Yeah, exactly. And he knows it too. So, But others do. Uh, yeah, there's lots of people who we could strong arm into uh, saying some hopefully interesting things on different from a different perspective on all the different topics. So I think uh, there's lots of potential for different voices than, than ours to, uh, to grace the core ideas podcast. And I think a large, another element of what I'm interested in is, you know, you see, read so much about, you know, so, you know, I guess, hashtag SciComm, science communication, outreach, you know, getting outside of the ivory tower. And, uh, um, Recently, John was showing a survey within the lab of like how uh, trusted by the public the uh, scientists are in terms of various other, I don't know what the word would be, categories of elites, I guess. Experts. Experts. Yep. Experts. Um, within society. And my very naturally cynical response to that was, well, that's only because scientists never really say anything. And, um, you know, maybe that could change, but who knows? But 
this is kind of almost like an exercise if approaching a, or trying to reach a general audience talking about, you know, one type of science in a casual way. Maybe it'd be useful, maybe it won't, but... If nothing else, it is practice for us at the same thing, because that is a science or a, a, a skill that has to be practiced in exactly the same way as taking sediment cores or looking through a microscope. And if, uh, if it's picked up by even a few people in terms of one episode or the other, um, hopefully there's a tidbit to be taken away from each and every one of them that, uh, even if you are one of those converted, uh, people who are an expert in the field that it may not be the general audience that you could enjoy as well. Okay. So there we are. That's who we are, what we want to do, where we hope to go in the future. I think that might be a good way to bring yeah, the not episode a bad place to, an end to finish the first episode i don't think i have anything else really pressing from a perspective other than uh what are we looking at doing for the next episode do we have a lead into what will be episode two this one was uh well i don't know we're not thinking of this is going to be a, a super long form um medium this episode's now maybe 20 minutes or something a little bit around that range um which is probably a little bit shorter than the average. I think we're aiming for in the 30, 45 minute range, something like that. Uh, but what can we look forward to in the near term? We talked about a few interesting topics uh, long term that we want to explore, but what's kind of on deck for episode two in particular, maybe episode twos and two and three uh, moving forward? Well, what I've been thinking going forward was maybe, maybe not. We want to build on that definition of paleolinology a little bit with some real groundwork in terms of what the podcast is going to be about in a more general way, but we have to start at the beginning. And so a little bit on what bioindicators are and what bioindicators are out there, what bioindicators are used for what kind of questions. And then the other big one, I think that is really foundational to all work in paleo is uh, the dating of the sediments. How is that done? What are the limitations? When does it work? When doesn't it work? You know, for sure. Yeah, depending on the time scale and all those different things, it's it's the question that you often get asked the most from a general audience perspective. I think I've, I've I don't find people have a hard time extending uh, belief to the fact that little things live in the water and when they die, they end up in the bottom of it and then they can stay there for a long time. But how the heck you know that ten centimeters down was approximately you know, 1895 is, uh, something that is a little bit more challenging for some people. So I think that'd be a good place to start. And then maybe the last one in the, in the first, we we'll call it the triad, the three of them would be how we take sediment course in different perspectives. Um, because that can be an important part of setting the time scale as well, not quantitatively, but from a functional perspective. Um, yeah, I think collectively those three, if you chop those up into three general topics and kind of explore a little bit, that'd be a good starting point to go into more, you know, off the wall, or esoteric applied stuff. Objects. Yeah. Yep. For sure. No, it sounds like a plan. All right. And, and again, if you're waiting every, you know, every Monday to have one of these things published, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. They're not um, maybe as scheduled as some of the podcasts you might know and love uh, on your favorite podcast server. Uh, but we'll try and work through a few of these uh, a month, I guess, is probably our range we're working for. Sitting here in the basement on a Sunday evening, in my case, uh, recording that amongst all the other things that have to go on in in day-to-day -day lives yeah, no, but, this uh, is very no, much, i'm excited about this yeah it's a fun, I think this will be fun. fun project just touching base talking about nerdy stuff on a sunday evening i'm i'm, I'm down 
That's it. Sounds like a plan. All right. So we'll wrap All it right. up here. And we would thank the few brave souls that have actually listened to this. Uh, and that we hope that you tune in again soon. So uh, That's right. Catch you then. Catch you later.